We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Roto Grinders today. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. You're gonna follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday, November 20th. Reviewing yesterday's NFL Week 11 DFS slate. Hit that thumbs up button first thing in the morning. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Since it's Monday, it's Mondays with McCool. That's what alliteration does, right? Mm-hmm. If, James, if your if your last name was Wilson. We would be doing Wednesdays with Wilson, right? Instead of Mondays with McCool. So it's a good thing that we're reviewing NFL on when, when your last name is McCool, because then people aren't really thinking about the past slate on Wednesday, but it's Monday with McCool, the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player, as well as the theory of DFS for advanced players, which comes with the custom Excel tools that you can use. Go pick both up theory of DFS. Dot com. I could tell from your t- tweets yesterday, you did not have a good day in NFL. And you can tell from my tweets, I did have a good day in NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm never going to do well on a slate where the cash game optimal ends up putting up like a 30. At, at one point, the cash game optimal, which had 16 dupes in the $100 single entry, was in like first. <laughs> it's like... I'm never gonna have a good slate when that happens. Um, yeah, if you if you played if you played the highest owned player in every position, you'd have scored uh, like 182 points. No, 186. 186. Right, well, no, a, a, a slight deviation was 186. So, like the lineup that I was considering in cash would have put up 182, 
Or, I mean, basically, basically, I played one of the three most popular lineups, but of course, I played the third one that had Cooper Cup in it. That I still won more than half my head to heads. What are people playing, James? I still won more than half my head to heads on DraftKings, and that's that's kind of weird. But you you mentioned you mentioned the, the chalk yesterday. I mean, essentially, like we went through position by position and said if you played Kyler Murray, Brock Purdy, right? If you played Devin Singletary, Brian Robinson, Tony Pollard, even Christian McCaffrey, I guess. If you played Trey McBride, Evan Ingram, or pretty much anyone, Dalton Cade, anyone tight end, no one really separated. If you played the commander's defense or the Miami defense. Right. If you did that, if you played Tank Dell, Rondell Moore, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore, maybe not Marquise Brown. Like you could fit all those guys in into one lineup. And a lot of people did that and split a lot of prizes. I mean, my deviations were a little bit better. Hence why you can see here in my the $50 red zone, I came in fifth. I was in first heading into the late games. So maybe I, I could have gotten 25,000, but if you take a look at my lineup, doesn't look all that uh, <laughs> contrarian outside of the stack. Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, yeah. and then jam the chalk. Uh, then San Francisco defense was 3.2% owned, mm -hmm. right? We found out that 28% on Rondell Moore probably was not a was was probably overowned if you knew how he was actually going to be used in the Cardinals offense. He ended up basically being the, the go out and get air yards guy, and and Greg Dortch was the 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 possession receiver. I want to I want to victory lap this. All right. Okay. I said that Rondell Moore was the worst play on the slate yesterday. I, like in every piece of content that I put out, said that he sucks. He's not. He's not who's going to take like the Michael Wilson role. The person who's going to take it, it's going to be Greg Dortch. I nailed that. I got wiped in DFS. Okay. I cashed one lineup, but I freaking nailed the Rondell Moore being a worse play than Greg Dortch play. I yeah, but he got it. but a 48 yard touchdown. Will, oh, it's do. the longest play of his freaking career, man. Like it's just, it's he, such an Isn't that what happened with Trent Irwin the week before? Yeah, that was super annoying, too. It's basically it's like the same thing. At least Trent Irwin, like, in the past has shown that he can be a guy who runs those kind of routes. This is the first time in Rondell Moore's entire NFL career that he has ran a route that was longer than four yards. And he just so happens to catch a freaking 48-yard touchdown. I was giga-tilted at the beginning of the slate yesterday. I ended up doing okay. I did Like, the slate sucked because all the chalk crushed. But I thought it was a pretty straightforward slate. I didn't think that it was that hard. I had a lot of the chalk spread out. I just didn't play it in the right combinations, a.k.a. all together. Right, all to, basically all together. Because uh, on Friday, and as well as my, my Saturday stream, I was focused primarily around team stats. Yeah. So, like, I'm let me target teams that, have, that are going to score a lot of points. Don't necessarily worry about runbacks and the other focus was that the houston arizona game with their that total the prices everyone was underpriced in that game like everyone maybe not nico collins and to some extent maybe not rondell moore right maybe he should have been 3300 
So it was very hard for me to see a situation where no one in that game gets there. Mm -hmm. Right. So at their, at those prices, you're probably going to need to play one or two pieces, but I would mm -hmm. look to avoid stacking that game minimally. Mm -hmm. Meaning that if you're going to play Murray, if you're going to play Stroud, overstack the game. Now, if you're not going to play those quarterbacks, then feel free to do and find something different. But, like, I wasn't going to head in with a Tyler Murray, Rondell Moore, Trey McBride, bring it back with Singletary or Dell type of lineup. It's right. Like, I'm either playing five or six guys from the game with the quarterback, or if I'm not playing the quarterback, then... I still need to have pieces. And the pieces that I prioritized were primarily Devin Singletary at 5,300 mm -hmm. and Rondell Moore at 3,300, despite the fact that he he got there because just because of pricing that mm -hmm. 3,300 Rondell Moore allowed me to stack like any game I wanted. I played a Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb lineup. I You're able to get Tyreek Hill or Christian McCaffrey into your lineups. Mm -hmm. So I didn't see really any very low priced players on this slate. I wanted to focus on the mid range types of uh, types of wide receivers. And one of them that I did was Calvin Ridley, Cal the Jacksonville guys, Ridley Kirk, those types of guys, as well as like DJ Moore who ended up coming in way higher owned than I mean, what, what was up with that? Did you, I mean, out of all of this ownership at, at wide receiver, like I didn't have tank this high. Right, this is the wildcat. Let me go to the Millie. Let me go to the, the millionaire maker. Right. I thought Singletary would be super duper chalk. So 41 yeah. was a little higher than I thought. I had it at like 35. Yeah. Trey McBride, I had it about that same level, 35. But Tank Dell, I had it like 24. Right. Mm -hmm. Brian Robinson, I had it 20. But DJ Moore, I had it like 12. And he came in double that. I don't. Yeah. I mean, the, I, 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 had, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get the, the, the error that I made, even though I play, I played lineups from this game from uh Detroit, Chicago. Yeah. I didn't think it would be as high owned as it was. And it turns out that Miami actually got squeezed more than I thought Tyreek Hill would end up being the de facto 20 plus percent owned wide receiver. And I didn't think, I thought Amon Ross St. Brown would be the one that, less people would be willing to play maybe and maybe 12 to 14 percent and it kind of was the reverse yeah it was i i had so let's talk about the Devin singletary thing first um singletary i thought the singletary was a fine play at like 30 to 35 percent but at 47 percent, i wouldn't have touched him that was just that that was really really high for even single entry stuff um for a running back that primarily gets there on rushing volume, right? Like the, the game had to go right and he had to get 25 to 30 carries to like really get there. So 30, 35%, that made sense. As far as wide receivers go, I had DJ Moore at 15% and I had Emin Ross St. Brown at like 14%, which I was fine with both of those. And I actually liked Chicago stats a lot or Sh Chicago stacks a lot. I wrote them up as one of my favorite lower own stacks. And it turned out that DJ Moore actually had like a chunk of ownership that I didn't expect him to have. And if I'd known that DJ Moore was going to be 25% owned instead of 15% owned, probably not into that. 
So there were a couple guys where ownership, clearly ownership was going to be on Houston, Arizona. Like it, it was just everybody wrote up Arizona. Everybody was writing up Houston pieces like that was going to be giga chalk. It was, it was hard to build good projected lineups without any piece of that game. It was. It was. And and the the way that I looked at it and, and the way that I wrote about it was uh, based on ownership projections, it's fair to assume that about 55% of the total field would be exposed to Arizona, Houston, one way or another, with, not, with like 25% to stacks and 30% to Singletary. What it actually ended up being was like 60 to 65% of the field was exposed to Houston, Arizona, which is a lot. But that didn't mean that you faded them because they were all underpriced. Like, like every player was underpriced in that game and had the highest game total on the slate. Uh, Houston had a team total like 28. So you get pieces of it, but you had to be really smart about the way that you built it. I agreed with you that you should, if you're going to stack that game, if you're going to use CJ Stroud or Kyler Murray, overstack it, get five or six players from it. Um, and the, the rule that I set up was only one of Marquise Brown or Trey McBride and only one of Tank Dell or Trey McBride, because those were going to be the guys that I figured would be the highest owned. So because of that, I was getting Dortch. I was getting, um, Marquise Brown with Dalton Schultz. I was getting Nico Collins. Like I was getting pieces of the game, but, but the low owned pieces of the game sucked. So it didn't matter. But that game that this was a really, really, really interesting week where, ownership was right on a lot of the on a lot of the pieces that you needed and not only right to the point where they would hit their median expectation but that where they would just blow it away and be by far the best plays on the slate and it was hard to argue with it and that's coming from somebody like me who usually looks for a reason to fade high ownership and I just I couldn't find it like Singletary I I even looked at my player pool Singletary in most weeks this, that we have a, a running back in Singletary's position, I would have just crossed him off if I had thought that he was going to be 40% owned with, with pure rushing volume concerns. But this week I was like, I'll have him in my Buffalo stack. Nobody's going to have Buffalo stacks. Uh, like I might have him in my, in my San Francisco stack, but then Purdy ended up being higher owned, you know, like it was fine because what are you going to do when everybody's underpriced? It was a weird week in terms of pricing and and the way that the ownership structure turned out. Devin Singletary had the highest yardage prop of any running back on the slate. He did. It was higher than Chris McCaffrey. Yeah, it was higher. It was higher than McCaffrey. Obviously, McCaffrey gets receiving yards and stuff like that. But, I mean, his rushing yard prop was over 80 yards. Well, no, it was 72 by the time Locke came around. It got got pushed down a little bit. But it was high. It was high for a $5,300 running back. Right. That's all. I mean... I played 10 lineups. I had Devin Singletary in nine out of 10 lineups. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? I, I had him in two of my five. And that's, that is crazy for a player like me to have somebody that highly owned at like what I don't consider to be an, a position where I prefer to get ownership. I prefer to have lower owned running backs typically. And, and I, I couldn't get away from him this week. Uh, also from the, the receiving standpoint in that game, I played, I I barely played Marquise Brown and I played a ton of Rondell Moore because of price. It sure. really just came down to Marquise Brown. I he gave him a 15% on, which is around where I thought 15 to 18%. I thought Rondell Moore would be 20 to 24%. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily see that big of a difference between the two. 
And with Marquise Brown's price being 5,300 compared to 3,300, if Marquise Brown gets there, I think Kyler gets there more likely than not because sure. Rondell Moore doesn't have to put up as much as Marquise Brown does for a ceiling. So that's why, you know, I only had one Kyler lineup. I mean, I only had one Kyler and one Stroud lineup out of 10 lineups, but I yeah. had tons of Singletary plus Dell. Single Terry plus Dell, Single Terry plus Woods. I had, and then in my Stroud stack, I had Dell plus Schultz, right? Mm -hmm. To use the tight end spot instead of playing Trey McBride in that spot. Yeah. That's a lineup that I played Marquise Brown in, right? And then you mix in everything else from there and then pay up options. I'm pretty much going to Tyreek Hill or mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey, although I took shots on Cooper Cup, which uh, didn't work out because. Oh, man. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of sharp people were on Cooper Cup last last night. I think, um, but as far as ownership, this this was this is a hard week to get away from the ownership, and it just ended up crushing. Um, I think that I, it it's just one of those hard lessons to learn as a contrarian player that sometimes you have to eat the ownership, and if you don't want to eat the ownership, then you probably shouldn't play a slate. Like we had yesterday, it, it was, it was so, or at least lower your volume or play more cash games or like something, something to mitigate. Or like if you're a contrarian being player, contrarian isn't just about fading chalk. It's no, about, no, 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 it's not in terms of what a good contrarian player is, but there are a lot of players out there who want to be overly contrarian. And in situations like that, I think that they make the mistake of still trying to play that way, even when everything like this week says you should definitely be eating a lot of this chalk in select ways. You should be eating a lot of these players that are under-owned in select ways. Um, and, and that's a lesson a lot of people have to learn in that it's not always right to try to have like all of the relative value in the world. You remember that Millie Maker lineup from a couple of weeks, from a couple of years ago where the dude had like nobody over 5% owned and he won the Millie Maker by like 16 points or something <laughs> like that's the kind of player that I'm talking about here. Like that people like that need to learn that slates like this, this is a learning moment of sometimes like the best plays are literally just given to you on a silver platter and you should just play them. It's okay. You can just play them. You know, one way to figure out those types of things by using Sim Labs, which is our new product here, simulation-based product. Good pitch. Play-by-play -play simulations, ownership simulations, contest simulations that's available right now for uh, DK main slates and Island Showdown games. You can try it out for free, rotogrinders.com slash simlabs. It'll be, it'll be gone, but we're, we're adding sports, we're adding sites. Soon it'll be behind the paywall for, for premium members only. But you could go into simlabs with the Rotogrinders projections and just run lineups in different types of contests and everything. And I did use Sim Labs not to build my lineups, but to research the slate. And my original thought was maybe if I don't if I don't stack the Arizona Houston game, I don't play any piece of the game. And it turns out I was wrong. So because I go through Sim Labs, and no matter what I seem to do, no matter what lineup I wanted to make, uh, I I got at least at least. Two pieces of that game in every lineup. Every lineup that that graded out anywhere close to well. So once I saw that, I'm like, okay, I, I got to play these guys. And 
the running back wide receiver combinations. Like, cause I like playing, if I'm going to play two guys from a game, I don't like doing the double stack wide receiver without the quarterback. I'd rather do running back wide receiver, rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns. Uh, I wasn't seeing as much of Connor plus McBride, Connor plus Brown, Connor plus more. And I was seeing a metric shit ton of Singletary plus Dell, Singletary plus Dell, Singletary plus Dell. So I'm just like, okay, well, it looks like that. I'm playing those two guys. And then on the Arizona side, since I wasn't seeing Connor, I'm like, I'm not playing. The only time I'm playing two uh, Cardinals in a lineup is if I have Stroud or Murray in there. I didn't just come up with this. This wasn't like just some, just like, oh, I just theory out of thin air. It's like, no, I just ran the lineups. I just ran through Sim Labs and go, okay, let me see some Dak stacks. Oh, Singletary Dell, Singletary Dell, Singletary, you know, in the other spots, right? Double tight end with Trey McBride, like that type of stuff. So I'm like, like, dude, I can't get, I, if I, if I excluded those players, my lineup projected like, 15 to 20 points lower than like anything else. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just, I guess I'll find a way to be contrarian elsewhere. And I did that by doing things like you mentioned, like playing Trevor Lawrence in this lineup, playing jo I played a Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Dalton Kincaid lineup. I played a CD lamb, you know, Dak CD Ferguson lineup. I, you know, I was, where can I get different on the stacks? And I, I thought the fields and the golf stuff wasn't going to be as high-owned as it was. So playing fields yeah. more, that wasn't as contrarian as I thought it would be. But in those lineups, in that game, I overstacked. So if I, I played, I had a lineup with fields, more, Komet, Gibbs, and Amon Ra. And then I also had Goff, Amon Ra, Laporta, more, and commit like every like five guys in the in the same in the same game type of thing, but there were so many games on the slate that you could have you could have gotten different just in the stack. Yeah, I mean you could have gotten. I I didn't know. Well, here's another another thing. This is a weekly recurrence. I did not know. This is the Wildcat. Twenty six percent owned in the Wildcat. So obviously the the sharper people. On him more 17% of the Millie Maker. I couldn't gauge whether or not people wanted to play Tony Pollard or people didn't want to play Tony Pollard. I I mean, I in my 10 lineups, I, I think I played Tony Pollard in four of them. Mm -hmm. But I vastly preferred Tony Pollard to I mean, I I did the very simple thing, Occam's razor. What teams have high team totals? I want players <laughs> from those teams. Right. right. You take a look and you go, should I play Brees Hall? And I go, do the Jets have a high team total? No, then I'm not playing them. Right. So I played Travis Etienne, 7,200. Obviously not in my Jacksonville stack. You know, playing Christian McCaffrey. I didn't play Devon A. Chain. Are you surprised that he came in at 12% on? So, so, so discuss those, those two things. Now, A. Chain's ownership being 12%. And whether or not what 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 were you doing with Tony Pollard? Now, obviously, he got there, yeah. right? I mean, he he got he got there. He eventually got there. I thought that Tony Pollard was the best running back play on the slate. Okay. Um, I I mean, it's Dallas with as a huge favorite with a high team total against a team that I think sucks. 
Like that, I want to play running backs in that situation. Um, it helps that Tony Pollard's role is terrific. So I thought that Tony Pollard at 6,600 this week was a much better play than last week. And I had, and I liked him a lot last week. So if I was into him last week, I'm going to be into him this week. Um, I, I couldn't nail down ownership on him, man. I, I, I could not tell his acceptable range of ownership for me was anywhere between 10% owned and 30% owned. And I didn't know where he was going to land in there, but I was fine with any of it because he was good. Like it was, it was a really good spot for him. Uh, I thought that HN was going to be like 20 plus percent owned. Really? No. Oh, whoa. The other, okay. That way. Well, I so no, look, like, I didn't, I, I did not like 4% on. I thought maybe some people take a shot. I mean, Mostert's there. They got three running backs. I mean, it just felt like. I like, had him projected for like 9% ownership. But I projected from a, what, what was your mean projection on him from a player projection standpoint? For projections? Let's see. Yeah, because like, I, I mean, dude, if I would have ran three, I, I, dude, I ran 300 lineups. I no. got zero of them. So like like when when I'm getting zero of someone, I get a little bit shocked when he comes in at 12% off. So I just I just relooked. I hadn't projected for 10.5% ownership and my median was uh 12.3. Yeah, that's not that that's not good. No, it's not. But right. people love the dude. Like he he's he's one of those name value guys that just gets a bump in ownership mostly because he is who he is and people want people were excited to play him coming off of ir there's a lot of season-long guys who activated him off of their bench that now want to play him in dfs as well like it was just a bump i thought that he was going to be even higher owned because miami had such a good team miami had the highest team total on slate and he was priced i, I mean people weren't playing the the, the payup options here as far as salary for running back, I mean, who cares about the whoa, whoa, whoa? Who cares about the payoff options? You tell you have your projections in front of you, right? Yeah, 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 I do. Okay, these are your projections, which I'm, I'm not saying that I agree with, I don't agree with. But sure. what would your projection mean? Your mean projection for Aaron Jones? For Aaron Jones, I had him for twelve point five. Okay, and he's cheaper. James yes. Connor, what did you have at fifty seven hundred? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 11.8. Breeze Hall at 6,400. 14. Okay. I mean, like, 
<laughs> We're listening. And you had obviously Pollard higher, right? Yep. yep. I mean, if you just take a look at the running back, Jerome Ford, Jameer yep. Gibbs, I'm just David Montgomery. It just feels like all of these guys had a higher mean projection than Devon Achan. And most of these guys are cheaper. It's it's just not about that with with this guy. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's the I know ball people. It is. It's just people, people who are just you know they're just pumped to play him again. people. We can't get yeah, HN when we have a projection that one. These thought leader podcast guys who are just talking nonstop about starting HN over every other freaking running back in the league. I'm not going to name names, but they don't put out good content anymore. So it just has to be shot content stuff and like. That's where it comes from. You, you end up with a whole bunch of ownership on these guys that shouldn't actually get ownership because people, because talking head or talking heads just just push content and it's not good content. So that's where it comes from. But then we have Saquon Barkley at seventy one hundred. He puts up thirty points. Well, yeah, obviously because Tommy DeVito is the freaking man. Did you expect that? Did you expect that that they would now? The see, this is the weird dynamic. That that you see, like I I'm, on my stream on Saturday, I said the game that I was avoiding the most was the Commanders Giants game. Yeah, uh, and people played these Sam Howell stacks, and good luck to you if you want to. But when everyone's healthy, they throw to so many people. Yeah, that I don't. You could say that he's going to throw the ball forty times, and he, dude, just. All these it's 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 ridiculous. Like people are playing McLaurin like he's the nuts and everything. Like, dude, no one no one gets yeah. no one gets more than a like a 18% target share, right? 16% target share. And then obviously at Tommy DeVito on the other side, I'm like, I don't know if the Giants can move the ball. Maybe Barkley you could use. But the thing is, is that people jammed in, you know, commander's defense. Commander's defense isn't good. <laughs> like like it, the the only reason we look at defense ownership i'm surprised they weren't even higher owned pittsburgh came in higher owned i understand the jets they were the cheap defense du jour miami i understand but like they're 3600 the only reason they're 3600 is because they're facing the giants with Tommy devito the commanders against any other team would be the cheap deep would be the $2,300 defense. Right. Like they do not have a good defense and they still got nine sacks because the giants offensive line is, I mean, it's, it's a train wreck, but I don't think anyone expected Tommy DeVito to throw for nearly 300 yards and three touchdowns. I, I had some Darius Slayton. He kept coming up in, in runs. Um, I manually removed him from a couple because I didn't want it too much, but I did. I was getting some Darius Slayton. I was getting some Curtis Samuel, RIP injuries and lineups. Um, but I, I mostly agreed with you that I, I really didn't want very much from that game. Uh, I did almost cross it off, but I figured with the amount of people that were taking shots on Rondale Moore, those receivers, specifically Curtis Samuel and Darius, and Darius Slayton that kept showing up in runs. I was just like, they can't be that much worse at low ownership. Like, like if Rondell Moore is going to be 25% owned and Darius Slayton gets to be 1% owned, then, you know, whatever. I, I guess I'll take some shots on this. But I, I wasn't really that interested in Sam Howell's stacks. There wasn't any chance I was touching DeVito. Um, so Quan Barkley's usage has still been terrific. Uh, so maybe maybe I should have 
thought a little bit more about him, but I wouldn't have played him yesterday. The, the running back options were too good with Pollard, Brian Robinson, and, and Devin Singletary. So, like, I don't know. I, I'm not getting on very much of that game at all, and I certainly am not playing Terry McLaurin. I don't know why anybody would play Terry McLaurin yesterday, uh, or Sam Halstacks for that instance. We had plenty of cheap options. We had the Arizona-Houston game. We had Brock Purdy, who was underpriced. We had, um, I mean, you, you could have even gone with Seattle. Like, you could have done the Seattle Rams game. That game environment was fine. Like, that, there were there were so many other game environments that were better than Washington Giants. Right. You could, you could have, if you wanted the cheap guy, you could have taken shots on Christian Watson, JSN, sure. Brandon Cooks. I mean... Jaden Reed was popping up in, in a lot of my stuff too. Like Jaden Reed was a great play. If, if you're into it, Green Bay's team total was higher than Washington's. So I, I, I don't know why people were on Washington, really. Uh, that I, I was going to say. Giants stuck and they're going to roll them over. You know, that's, but that's the reason right, you play Brian right. Robinson. Typically, if you're going to play, what, what people make the big mistake on is that they only want to play the running back from teams that should blow out the other team. Right. Like that's the big mistake that people make when they think about blowouts in the NFL. A team is like an 11 point favorite and they're like, oh, I got to play the running back in the defense here because the other team can't score. But if they're going to blow out the other team, that means that points will be scored. So you can stack that team. And I think that that's kind of what people did with Washington. But Washington didn't have a high team total. It's just the Giants are god awful. So I, I don't know why people were really stacking Washington. It's, it's not just the team total, it's the fact that like, they have so many targets on their team. Well, yeah, that the they can score. They can score thirty-five points, and no one gets there. Right? I mean, they can. The, we look at the Chiefs. We see with the Chiefs all the time. The Chiefs put up forty-two points, and the only person that you you, you needed to have was Kelsey. Yeah, like that's it. They have three rushing touchdowns from uh, an end around a McKinnon the uh, thing and a Pacheco goal line thing and. And Justin Watson has the other touchdown. And it's like, well, Travis Kelsey has 22 points and he's the highest scorer on the team. And you're like, well, what happened there? It's like, yeah, because it's spread around offenses. Then we take a look at the Arizona-Houston game. They, they were cheap and people are out. Right. right? Noah Brown's not there, right? No, uh, Michael Wilson's not there. I mean, so you sit there and you go, Let's see. They're cheap and they're condensed. And you wonder why in the Sims, this the game was just coming up too much. Like every piece yeah. was worthwhile to play. So like going, going to other places instead of that and just ignoring that game, I to me that that was that was the mistake that people made. You could have gotten there not stacking. Look, I, I had the Trevor Lawrence lineup. You could have yeah. played a Brock. Dude, if you would have played, like, in this lineup, like, imagine playing Purdy, and instead of playing Ridley, you play Ayuk. You go down on defense, down to the Jets' defense or something like that, and there, I mean, you get there you get there that way also. Instead of yeah. Pollard, you could play, I mean, there's, you could have played, you could have played Barkley for 500 more. I mean, like, but really, the key of the slate. I mean, if you didn't have forty-six percent on Devin Singletary at twenty-two points at fifty-three hundred, and a thirty burger from a forty percent owned six K Tank Dell, like it's hard. It's hard to win. It's. It, I mean, just it was hard I to wanna, win without from that game. I do want to be clear here, though. 
you shouldn't be looking at a week like this and saying, oh, I need to eat all the chalk every single week. This well, week. The context of this specific slate, I mean, like sure, I sure, said, sure, sure, sure. But people are going to take this. They're going to take not, not only the slate, but they're going to take the content after the slate where it was like, oh, this was so obvious. You should have done this, should have done this, should have done this. And what they're going to do is they're going to say, oh, I can't fade the chalk because the chalk nukes all the time. And you know people will do it. But that's not – I do not want people to take that away from this week. This week, in the context of how this slate was built and in the context of the pricing and the team totals, we had a, we had a significant spot here with Houston, Arizona, where all of the players were basically underpriced. It was a high team total. And it was a spot where eating a lot of that chalk made a lot of sense. It does not mean that every week you need to be playing the 40% owned 6K wide receiver. It doesn't mean you be throwing your cash games in every single GPP and hoping to train with 16 other people at the top of the $2,400 contest or whatever, right? Like you shouldn't be doing that. You still do have to take this stuff in context. So please, anybody watching the show, I think most people who watch the show have a relatively better understanding of DFS because of what we have taught them over the years. But I, I, I just want to make sure that people who listen don't take this week and say, oh, I have to play cash games, cash lineups and GPPs, because that is not the the optimal way to play GPPs. You still have to think about things in context. Right. Did you, if you make Devin Singletary 7,300 and Tank Dell 7,300, if you make them both 7,300, and you told me that they're, one, they're both going to be 40% owned, you know, they wouldn't come up as much in the Sims. Right. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's, it, it's just a byproduct. You tell me the Texans are playing the, the, the Eagles and they have a 21 implied team total, then the projections wouldn't be as high. I mean, it's, it's not a factor of the, the thing about running Sims, which you could try at uh, rotogrinders.com slash Sim Labs, is that all those levers, James, that we talk about, the projection lever, the leverage lever, the correlation lever, like it's always going to be a balance of the three, and what Sims will do is 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 balance that for you. So w- hence why running lineups through simulations and seeing the trends of the types of lineups that come out plus EV according to our contest simulations, and then building a do you have to take one of those lineups? No, not necessarily, but seeing those the trend of that on a given slate. So running, I didn't, I didn't say you had, well, what's the good shock? What's the bad shock? Well, all I know is that based on our ownership, like I couldn't, Devin Singletary, Tank Dell and Rondell Moore combined. Like we're in like, like half my line, like half the line. like, no matter what I did, more than half the lineups had all those three players in it. So what did it tell me? That if I'm going to build around, if I'm going to build ownership around other lineups to get low owned those are going to be the high owned pieces that i have in my lineup and that's what i did and so hence why i build that way the simulations can tell you that that's why that that's why you're using that you know when i ran simulations i didn't see connor marquis brown i didn't see i barely saw singletary nico collins i saw singletary woods because of the cheap price and then once you see that, and you go, oh, I'm also getting, I'm also getting a decent amount of Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, 
and Christian Kirk at their ownership because they were low owned for their projection. And the Jaguars were favored and they had they had a higher team total than the Cardinals. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, well, no one's playing Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's really low owned. Okay. Let me plug in Lawrence. Let me plug in Riddling. Let me plug in Engram. And then just run. Then just go, go. What what do I get? Singletary Dell, Rondell Moore. And then it's like, okay, what can I fit around here? Tyreek Hill, Tony Pollard, Don. I mean, like, this isn't this isn't like rocket science. Like the tools are available for you to to look at this type of stuff. I had 10 lineups and I built my 10 lineups around. Now some of them failed. Yeah. yeah Josh Allen, the Josh Allen stuff. I mean, it's not like the bills were coming up that much in Sims anyway, but at, at the bills projected ownership, I'm like, I got, I, I can't you gotta let go Josh there. Allen be that low owned and not. You gotta go there. I, I, uh, I made a huge annoying boo-boo with my Buffalo stack. When I was running Buffalo stacks, it kept wanting to give me, Josh kept Allen wanting to give me Shakir, and he ended up doing. He wanted to keep giving me Shakir, and I took him out. I took him out. I didn't want to overstack it. I didn't think that it was right to overstack it, and I ended up having like, like most of the plays were Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, and Shakir, and I was like, one of these guys got to go, and it was freaking Shakir. <laughs> no, the one no, I kept on getting Allen, Shakir, Kincaid. And that, yeah, that would have that would have worked as well. And then, and then in that lineup, it, it, I have McCaffrey or Tyree Kill in it, and I go, "This doesn't make sense." In in right? my, in it, but it does. The whole point of the Sims is that it's supposed that's it's telling you that it's telling you that. I know to you, your feeble brain, you don't get how this lineup gets there because, like, why would I, why would I play the high price guy from like no? But it does. That there's there there's a path it happened. I uh in in one of my 150s, freaking Dalton Kincaid, man. I he gets 10.6 fantasy points in the first half. Does not get another all. And I say into Discord, if Dalton Kincaid can get me like five points, I'm in a great spot. I said that he did not get another target for the rest of the freaking game. Well, did he, I, he didn't need to get a target. Did you see that Zach? I mean, what's the point of Zach Wilson? What is the point? Of his oh, no, I mean the the Jets need to fire people. Like the the I I cannot fathom how they thought that going into the season Zach Wilson was was a viable backup to have there in Zach Wilson is not even backup quarterback caliber. He's so bad. Uh he's like the if, Jets are uh, looking to get Tommy DeVito. I mean, it's making Tommy DeVito look right. like a world. Dude. Well, and and dude, think about this. Like somebody mentioned it in in the chat, but Tommy Vito threw for three touchdowns. Kenny Peckett hasn't had a single game in his career with three touchdowns in a single game. <laughs> we we've got we've got quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett and Zach Wilson starting games. You can't tell me that those guys should be starting over. You know who Jake Locke? Like give Jake Locke a freaking shot over in the Jets. Like at least he's fun to watch fail. Zach Wilson's just sad. Just sad. Yeah, Flacco is now on the Browns. Like Flacco is, I, we have not seen old man Flacco play a game in a while, but I'm almost certain that he's better than Zach Wilson, even as a 56 year old. Dorian Thompson man. Robinson had a decent game for the Browns. It just like Bajan, the the backup for the Bears. Like he came out, he went out there and won what two games? Went two and two. 
Aiden, like Aiden, Aiden O'Connell is, is serviceable, it seems. These guys are fine. And then you got Zach Wilson out here. I, I cannot fathom how they thought that it was okay to keep Zach Wilson as the backup. I just can't. It seems it seems like whenever that game is on red zone or whatever, that it's Zach Wilson trying to figure out how to play football. I mean, like <laughs> it's not it's it's not a well he overthrows the ball or let's like, like to me it's just like like no this dude just takes the snap and like literally has no idea what to do. Yeah, it's like, it's not I, that, he's I just, in sense that he has no clue how to read anything or run an offense and like the Tommy DeVito is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not athletically gifted or anything like that, but it's like, I could do five simple things. Okay. And yeah. just as long as I get to do the five simple things, I could be serviceable. Zach Wilson feels like he's like, he does, he's not aware of the rules of football. Like yeah. just gonna, I'm going to snap and I'm going to throw it to someone that looks green. And I don't know what that's going to be until I figure it out on every play. I, I truly can't fathom how, how he's starting games. I really just don't get it. That they would be better off. I, I mean, and they've passed they would on be so many better teams. off just snapping directly to Brees Hall every play. They would. They would be better off. Use one of your three running backs you paid for no reason. <laughs> I would 100% rather have Kaepernick. I don't even know. If, I don't know. If, I would rather have Kaepernick with one foot than Zach Wilson. Man. Just play all so the running bad. backs. Right. Don't get rid of Michael Carter. Play three running backs in the backfield and play some type of weird triple option thing. Yeah. And- well, and even dude, going into this game, the Jets are are the Jets signaled that they are no longer trying this season because they came out and said that they are going to play younger players this week. The Jets have literally mailed it in. So have fun with it. Run like three running back sets. Let your linemen take snaps at, at wide receiver or something. Like go do some stupid stuff out there on the field and just have fun because this this is not entertaining and it's not working. So d- one or the other one or the other right it's teams teams are going for it on fourth and seven on on nearly the 50 yard line against them because they don't mind giving the ball back to them even on the 50 because they still can't get into field goal range no no (laughs) we are we are we have completely derailed the dfs portion of this but they they were saying on the broadcast that If the Bills got a two t- a two score lead, then it was over for the over. Right. <laughs> this was when it was six to zero. And six the Bills right. I know I was scoring. listening to that. It was six nothing. Like, do you kick the field goal here or go for it fourth? And and I think Romo, probably I think it was Romo yeah. that said, Well, you go up two scores, nine nothing, it could be game over. <laughs> yeah, that is insane. Like you hear that and Somebody like Zach Wilson needs to go start working in a car dealership or Sala needs to be fired or Joe Douglas needs to go join the Raiders. I don't know. So something needs to happen here, <laughs> but you can't continue to, to start Zach Wilson. If, if that is the sentiment from the media and from the league, that if this, if this is a nine point game, Zach Wilson can't do it. That's done. You're done. What is Tim Boyle thinking on the sidelines? Uh, does Tim Boyle have a job and I and he's he's in and I'm not in? And Tim Boyle's awful. I, I, I mean, who who is that other that quarterback that threw like five interceptions in his first game? Get him in there. Oh, you talking about oh, Nathan uh, Peterman? Yeah, Nathan. Wasn't that for the Jets? No, that was for the Bills. I thought. 
Oh, it was for the Bills. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, it was the other New York team. I thought that it was for the Jets for, for a second. I was like, my God, the Jets quarterback situation has been hilarious for like a decade. It's so bad. Yeah, New Yorkers are really and bad. The Jets quarterback situation has, been, has always been. I mean, since what? Joe Namath? Yeah, Namath? yeah. The, Namath? The, best, the best QB that they've had in the last 20 years was what? Mark Sanchez? Yeah, I, that's that's not... I mean, they... They've had serviceable ones that are like past their prime, like Vinny Testaverde. Oh, I love right? Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. Early, early, you know, what, Boomer Esiason at one well, point. Well, I, I mean, mean they, they had they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? He was probably the highest upside QB the Jets have had in the past 10 years. Right. But they've not uh, had a good quarterback since no. Joe Namath. Like That's Ken O'Brien wasn't a great – I mean – no, not, not a pro, a Pro Bowl worthy quarterback. Imagine being a Jets fan and looking at the at the Green Bay franchise, who <laughs> had only Hall of Fame quarterbacks for like two decades. Well, same for the, same now, for the Niners. I mean, take a look at the yeah. 49ers also. Yeah. Oh, they man. go from Joe Montana to Steve Young, and it's like, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> good good luck, right? <laughs> I don't, I mean, Mark Sanchez, I think you're right, was the most like median expectation, most consistent quarterback the Jets have had in the last 10 years. I, the, Ryan Fitzpatrick was for sure the highest upside QB and the, the team just turned on him. Um, But man, that is, that is so rough. That is so rough. And you know, I, I'm, I am extra tilted about the Jets stuff because I have a season long bet with, with a friend uh, that the Jets won't make the playoffs. And every time they win one of these BS games, like they won against the Eagles, and I'm just tilting my entire face off. Because, like, those are the kind of games they have to win in order to have a shot at the playoffs. And they're four and six. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs. Their schedule is is brutal for the next four weeks anyway. But those games where it gave people hope that Zach Wilson might be able to turn this ship into the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers can come back and be a hero, ship has sailed. Blow up the franchise. Just send it to Bob Rico. It's just, it's done. James, theory of DFS. I think like a professional DFS player, getting back to DFS type of stuff. But those concepts like the levers like we talked about, like a simulations are a more precise methodology. Blunt, there are blunt methodologies using lineup HQ, using projections. All of that type of information, all the concepts behind that, you could learn them all. The theory of daily fantasy sports. That's what that's that's the point of the, the course, right? It's not about like, oh, how to how to beat NBA DFS. No, this applies to all sports. It's the game theory of DFS. Then the advanced players guide is more of the application side of it, which includes your custom Excel tools that, that I do use. I, I've been using it in, in NHL. The running 300 lineups and then weeding out, like just using the portfolio trimmer. Get rid of all this shit and let me let me let me see what's left, and then try to figure out who's on what team. Still, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm getting better with that, right? I know I I could look at it. I could look at a slate and I go, oh, the Panthers. Oh, Barkov is out. That means probably either Bennett or Lundell probably move up to the first line. And it's like, wow, I'm just not not only would I know that, but the fact that I can name the players. And then there are certain teams that I don't play that often that I do need to like, like who is on the Blue Jack. I'm honestly surprised that you weren't in the NHL before recently. It seems like a sport that you would love. Uh yeah, I, I'm I'm I, I like winning at stuff. 
Well, but also like you're like a soccer guy, right? And like right. you like you like baseball DFS and like those those three sports, soccer, NHL, and MLB, I think are very akin to each other. And I especially because NHL is a little bit niche and the field is soft. So that seems like a sport that you'd really like. And the small field stuff I'm used to from soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'll be playing NHL tonight. Right. So you'll there's a seven game slate, I believe, tonight. And yeah, we have we have great soccer, we have great NHL content here mm-hmm. nhl projections slate summaries expert surveys our discord is amazing for nhl those guys have like they're on the you don't need a twitter like everything is any line changes any any war morning skates any and anything anything that's anything that's relevant to the slate and newsworthy goalkeeper changes anything is posted in our discord you could join rotogrinders.com slash discord and james where can people find you uh, you can find me on Twitter over at Pater underscore DFS, and you can find all of my models and such over at PaterDFS.com. Uh, I have a lot of cool research things up. Uh, NHL specifically, I have some cool matchup stuff for uh, for subscribers, shows you pace and uh, high danger, stuff like that. So if you're into NHL stuff, which we've just been talking about, come over and try those things out. we got tons of content. Even today, we got uh, NBA, right? So you guys Grinders Live, it's crunch time. Got the pre-lock show for Monday Night Football. Definitely try out Sim Labs for for that. Rotogrinders.com slash Sim Labs. It's soon going to be behind the premium paywall. Become a premium member. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. I'll be here tomorrow. Maybe we're talking hot. I think maybe we're doing hockey tomorrow. Maybe we'll do it Tuesday. What else is going on? So I don't know. I, I haven't looked on the, the little schedule. Just there, a programming no, note. Thursday. No there's no hockey there's no games hockey tomorrow. tomorrow? So what the hell are we going to do tomorrow? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll do it live. We'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> uh, so hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Just the programming. No, Thursday and Friday, there will be no Roto-Grinders today show. It's Thanksgiving, so I won't be here. So you won't see me Thursday. You won't see me Friday. You won't see a thumbnail. So you have to get all your stuff in. Probably we'll talk about the Thanksgiving slate, I guess, on Wednesday. We'll figure it out this week. We always do. You know, I'm here. We always figure it out here. Weekdays, 11 o'clock in the morning. Talking about all things you're thinking about in Daily Fantasy. Props and pick them on Roto Grinders today.